Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Life is not always what it seems. Most of the time we wear masks, masks that hide reality, masks that protect, masks that lie, masks that make things look better than they really are. We use masks to become other people, an elaborate masquerade. series called Masquerade. Today is part three of that series, if you've been around for a little while. Uh, It's about a very simple concept of how we wear masks to either hide or protect ourselves. And if you need to know more about those two premises, I should have checked on this because I messed it up last service. Premise, premises, what do you have? Anyway, if you want to know more about that, go back and uh, check out the rest of the series online. Uh, Today we're going to talk about one of those masks in particular. I don't know about you, uh, but I remember very specifically the first time in my life that I encountered the people I knew to not be the people I knew. And it was this family that I went to church with, and and they were deacons in the church, and and they just looked like life was great, and you saw them every Sunday. And we were actually family friends because uh, they had kids the same ages as as I was and my sisters, and, and they had a pool. I didn't have a pool. So we we were good friends. We were over their house a lot. And, you know, they just looked like the perfect church-going happy couple. And then I remember one Sunday after church, even though they were at church and and putting on, you know, the right face, I I overheard my parents talking about how they were going to separate because they'd been having an affair. And I was young, and I just didn't know that happened. I, 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 I knew some people did those things, and I knew some people were happy, and I didn't know that people who pretended to be happy did those things. It, it, it kind of blew my mind. And, and so I don't know what your first time was that something like that came and happened to you. I, I don't know, maybe uh, if you think about, unfortunately, church leaders sometimes make the news for all the wrong reasons, right? Matter of fact, today actually is supposed to be a very sad but historical day in the church across the United States. They are expecting, an article came out this week, expecting up to 400 pastors and church leaders to be resigning this morning. Does anybody know why? Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. Busted. And and so, you know, here's the thing. I cannot explain the whys for all of their struggles, but what I can explain is why no one knew they were struggling. They were wearing a mask. They were broken inside and no one knew it. And if someone suspected it and tried to talk to them about it, they'd put on a different mask and smile even more and say, no, life is good. We're doing great. What are you talking about? And so no one could ever find out what was really going on. So today, our mask is really the mask that I think we struggle with most as Christians. And and today's message, I think, is the most important one in the entire series. The, matter of fact, the entire series is built around today. And so if you've missed the others and you're catching today, good for you. Because if you get today right, all of the other stuff I'm talking about will naturally come in and fit into this anyway. Today's mask we're referring to as the mask of goodliness and godliness. How do you like that name? The mask of goodliness and godliness. I could actually call it the mask of self-righteousness, but that's a little bit harder for us to define and understand And so what I'm really talking about when I say the mask of goodliness and godliness is is just the idea that we act like good Christians who always have it together, right? I mean, that's what we do. Walk in the door. Hey, man, how you doing? What'd you say when somebody asked you today? Good? Fine? Now, I'm not going to give anybody the mic and make you confess, but how many of us really are not good and fine? 
It seems like the right thing to do. Christians are actually supposed to have it all together. I mean, after all, we're the ones who follow Jesus. Jesus has solved all of our problems. We, we, we're we're going to be like embarrassing Jesus if we say that he hasn't solved all of our problems. And then we know what the Bible tells us. You ever heard some of these verses? It says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You guys heard that one? How about this one? You shall be holy, for I am holy. Or how about this one? No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And there are hundreds more like that. And we know it. So nobody wants to walk in the church on Sunday morning and go, hey, everybody, just to let you know, I am failing miserably at the task. I'm not as good as the rest of you. I'm really messed up and broken. And I'm doing this. And I'm addicted to that. And I've got a problem with this. And good morning, by the way. Happy Sunday. And then we tell ourselves it's actually for God's good that we wear the mask. I remember when I was a kid, I was a pretty young kid, you know, one of those times you do something that is perfectly logical in the head of a child. And the next thing you know, your mother is like yanking you by the ear out of the room or something and then yells at you about how much you just embarrassed her and you better not ever embarrass her like that again, right? Come on, I'm not the only one who's had that happen. And so you tell yourself, well, you know, I don't want God embarrassed by me. I don't want God embarrassed by my sin. My neighbor knows I go to church. And the people at church know I go to church. They know I'm one of the the, the leaders. Like I do the volunteer this or serve in that ministry or whatever. And so, so, you know, I've, I've got to tell people I'm good and I'm godly. I'll put on my mask of goodliness and godliness and it'll just all be right. It's for God's reputation anyway. And that makes it worthwhile, right? And so we pretend. But the problem remains. I'd like to read you a quote someone sent me this week. They said, man, I was just reading this, and it was like exactly what you preached last week. I said, ha, it's exactly what I'm going to preach this week. It's, it's awesome. I said, I'm going to use that quote. And so this is from a non-Jesus-following, secular, non-Bible-believing uh, sociologist. Hear what she's got to say. We long for the freedom to admit we're broken. But we don't realize our need to do it. We are those people. The truth is, we are the others. Most of us are one paycheck, one divorce, one drug-addicted kid, one mental health diagnosis, one serious illness, one drinking binge, one affair away from being those people. The ones we don't trust. The ones we pity. The ones we don't let our children play with. The ones bad things happen to the ones who we don't want living next door. And there are simply too many voices telling us to keep up appearances. And sadly, nowhere is this more true than with Christians in front of other Christians. I think God wants to tear off a mask. You guys ready? It's going to hurt. It's like a Band-Aid made out of duct tape on a hairy part of the arm. (laughs) If you got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 9. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen right behind my head. And Jesus talked about people who wore masks. And here's what he had to say. He told them a story. It was a parable. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Okay. We're going to change a few words so that you can track with this. 
So we're going to go back and change it to this. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were goodly and godly. That's what righteous means. We could get along with this, but righteous means that we think that we're in right standing with God and that, that, that we're in a right place. And so we think we're goodly and we're godly. And some of you would stop me and go, well, Jimmy, your sermon's busted already because I, I, I don't trust in that. I, I know that I'm a sinner, so I don't go around thinking that I've got it all together. Well, how about we read it like this? He also told this parable to some who pretended to be goodly and godly and treated others with contempt. So there we go. He's talking about us. And I want you to think about this. If you've been around Grace Life for any period of time, you know that I constantly use this phrase. The lie of the enemy is, you heard that, right? I say it in almost every sermon, at least like 14 times or something. And I don't apologize for that because I think one of the big problems is the enemy is a liar, he's a deceiver, and we buy into it. And, and so just one of my cornerstones of what I always try to do is to help you recognize lies and to follow truth. And so it sounds like a good time for me to go, we wear the mask because of the lie of the enemy. And although that may be partially true in this case, we don't need to blame the devil as much as we need to blame ourselves. We largely wear the mask of goodliness and godliness because of our experience. I mean, have you been to church? Even this one? You know what those people are like? I grew up in a church where they made it real clear. You want to go to heaven? There are only two things you need to be worried about. Make sure your hair is not long enough to touch your shirt, co shirt collar and make sure you don't get a tattoo. Have you met those people who have their one or two things and as long as you don't violate those one or two things, then you're good and you're godly? But if you violate those one or two things, then we suddenly have a problem and they're going to look down upon you because they're like the person who trusts in his righteousness, or at least his ability to pretend. And well, you know, I've got it mostly together. I realize I'm not perfect, but I didn't kill anyone yesterday, and several people deserved it. So you know, I'm fairly goodly and godly, and I therefore can now look down upon you, because uh, I saw you go into a fit of rage yesterday when I kept my cool. I am better. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Let me change those words again. Because when Jesus told the story, you need to understand half of the people listening to him were Pharisees and the other half were tax collectors. And if you're not good at math, there was another half <laughs> who didn't like Pharisees or tax collectors. And so they were enjoying the story. But they knew who were Pharisees and tax collectors. So I'm going to change the words to people you will understand. Here's how it would read. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a goodly, godly churchgoer. Every Sunday, always there, memorized verses and wrote good checks. And the other never went to church at all. Matter of fact, as a career, he was a crook. And so the goodly, godly churchgoer, standing by himself, prayed like this. God, I thank you. I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. And even like that tax collector over there, he doesn't go to church enough. I fast twice a week and I give tithes at all that I get. Basically, he walked into church and said, God, I thank you that I am goodly and godly. But the one who has not been to church very often, maybe even never before today, 
standing far off. No surprise he's standing far off. If the people up at the front of the room are putting on a show like that, who wants to be a part of it? Matter of fact, he's probably not even sure how long he's going to stick around. Some of you remember the first time you went to church. You didn't sit on the front row. You sat on the back row. Some of you didn't even sit down. You stood up by the door thinking, okay, I can make an easy escape if this place is weird. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, he wears no mask because he's in touch with his issues and he's honest about them. And some of you go, I'm not wearing a mask because I'm fully aware that I'm a sinner and I pray thanking God for forgiving me all the time. And I know that I am a sinner and that I do many things wrong, Jimmy. I don't wear a mask. Oh, yeah? That's not the qualification. The question is, are you honest about your problems? Not just know you got them. Are you honest? See, he was honest. He was able to stand there in public and say, I've got issues, God, in front of other people. That's why I didn't wear a mask. You can know that you've got trouble. You can know there's trouble behind the mask and still be wearing the mask. The question is whether or not you let that out. Here's the moral of the story. I tell you, this man, the tax collector who didn't go to church very often, who was honest, he went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I want you to follow that. You see, if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled is because the people who pretend, they make the headlines. We just did a series this summer about Proverbs, and we talked about the humble. We talked about the proud. And you know, one of the most famous verses in Proverbs is that pride comes before the fall. Why? Because it's the exact opposite of what God intended. The Bible also says God gives grace to the humble. And so when you are struggling with something and you need to be free of something, you don't get there by being goodly and godly. You get there when the grace of God invades your life and brings healing. And that requires being humble. That requires saying, I need help. Woe is me, God, I'm a sinner. I need help. Something inside of me is not right. You have to take off the mask. But what we've done through our church experience is we've learned that people will point at us, look down upon us, and think worse of us. And so we, we keep our act going and we keep our secret. And so we keep pretending and we keep wearing the mask. We have to admit we're broken. That's how we get healing. And the truth is we're all broken. Are you ready to admit that? The truth is we're all broken. The point, however, to this story is that it's better to be broken together. It's better to be broken together. You see, the brokenness only gets fixed when you're broken together. It's the way God built us. It's what he actually intended. He sets us up in a spiritual family. He never said, believe in me and never talk to anyone. He sets us up with brothers and sisters and people to walk with us so that we can find that freedom. Because again, it comes back to the one who humbles himself, the one who can turn to someone else and say, I'm broken. Can you pray for me? It's better to be broken together. And in case you think that I'm coming up with a really weird 
foreign concept. I just want to show you this is actually the Bible. It's what God built for us. It comes out of Ephesians 4. I'm going to show you two, two verses. The first one goes like this. Therefore, having put away all of that falsehood and the mask and the lies, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In other words, your mask and your lies and your pretending affects us as a whole because we, we become ineffective at the very thing Jesus put us here to do because we're so busy pretending we can't do the mission we're actually here for. And it's hard for God to put power and authority behind someone who's too busy wearing a mask. They've got to be the real deal. Think about a family. I'm sorry, think about the body. It says that we're members one of another, and the Bible tells us that we're the body of Christ, right? Okay, so what happens when, when we find out that one part of our body has been doing something that's not helpful to the rest of our body, then, then we do something about that, right? Here's how it goes in the natural world. You go to the doctor, and the doctor says, I, I've, got to, I've got to tell you something. So this part of your body learned something it didn't know about the rest of your body. He says there's, there's cancer somewhere, and it's going to kill you if we don't get it out. You see, this part of your body says, wait a minute, that affects me. I'm not ready to be done. So let's, let's go invade that part of the body and let's make this thing whole and right. And let's get this thing together because it's one body. And, and the reason we go to those churches and have those bad experiences is because we try to keep these things hidden and we wear a mask. And our masks hurt people because we're not authentic and we're not real. And so what was God's solution? Here's the second one comes out of James, it says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is one of the most misquoted verses in all of the Bible. People will try to quote this all the time and they'll say, confess your sins so that you may be forgiven. But that's not what it says. There is a passage about confess to God that he will be just to forgive you. Between you and God, confess to God, God will forgive you. Between each other, confess that we may be healed. In other words, the freedom, it's one thing to be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. And that is a good thing. But the freedom to put it down and to stop fighting with that addiction, to stop fighting with that temptation, to stop fighting with that struggle, to where it no longer has a grip on you, that comes from the family that God puts you in. And God designs you to need family if we're just broken together. At Grace Life, we know that this can't happen on Sunday mornings. For us, Sunday mornings is about come in and worship the King of Kings. We come together, we all face that direction, and it is about exalting his name. And matter of fact, when you walked in the door this morning, somebody said, hey, how you doing? You said you are good, great, fine, right? And if you tried to tell the truth to the greeters, they're not prepared for that. <laughs> we put people who like to talk and smile out there. We did not put our counseling team out there. <laughs> so as you come in the door, hey, man, how you doing? And just, boosh, that would not be good. So look, we're, we're not even going to pretend that we are doing this right. We know that that's not what this is for. So what, what do we do? We, we turn the rows into O's. You guys heard this before? 
and they're called life groups. Now, here's what's funny. It just clicked for you. Ah, look what he's doing. He prepared this to get us to come out Wednesday night. <laughs> as God is my witness, no, I didn't. Here, I need you to hear what I'm saying because this is true. I planned this entire series around this message. And God put this in my heart like a year ago. I told the staff last fall, this fall, we're going to do a series called Masquerade. And I planned it for September. And for whatever reason, we thought it would go better in August. And here's what's even funnier. We always do the launch party for the life groups in August. And for some reason, we moved it to September. And we talked about it as a staff. Why, why are we doing this in September? Who put that on the calendar there? I don't know. Should we move it back to August? Nah, let's just leave it there. This was God's timing. I didn't plan this. I'd love to say I'm that smart. I did not plan this. I did not know when I put this on the calendar and we moved this and shifted all this stuff around that it would end up perfectly that I can stand up here and say, you know what you need? You need to be in a small group of people where you can admit you're broken and you can pray for one another and be healed. And it just so happens it's the last thing you're going to hear before you come and find a group. And you need to find a group. Because for those of you that have been doing this on your own, how's that working for you? Gotten free lately? Are you healed? You see, what you need is three or four guys getting together for breakfast at Chick-fil-A on Thursday morning saying, I'm broken. Let me tell you, can you pray for me? And the other guy says, well, I'm broken too. I'll pray for you and you pray for me. How about that? And together we'll help one another. Or you need to be a couple of ladies having coffee on a Tuesday at lunch saying, hey, I'm broken. Can I talk to you about my addiction and my struggles? Can you pray that I'll be healed? Or maybe it's a marriage. Huh. Marriages. How about that one? How many of us look like, I'm telling you, people, man, we're just doing great. Hey, you want to go out to dinner with us? Well, it'll be awesome. And then the next week, hey, where's your wife? Well, she left. What? Yeah, we've been fighting for like three years. What? I mean, you never, you never know. I'm going to tell you, you want to have some real fun for those of you who need comic relief. If you don't have a group plan yet, just host a marriage group. Marriage groups are fun. We do them on Friday nights. And it seems counter intuitive, right? Because people are going to go out on dates on Friday night. Who's going to want to go to a church group on Friday night? Except you need to remember married people, they don't like each other. I'm serious. I counsel them. I know what I'm talking about. They're not going on a date. If they stay home on a Friday night, one's going upstairs and one's staying in the other room or, or, or whatever. So, so we take Friday nights. You might as well redeem the lost date night that you're not on. And you go to a marriage group and you discover you're actually broken. Because you played a little DVD and somebody says something and everybody's sitting there going, oh, that's us, but nobody will say it. But there's always one. There's always one who had a fight on the way there. <laughs> and also isn't real good with their people voicing what your thinking skills. <laughs> and the DVD finishes and they go, that's my husband or that's my wife. And then uh, somebody across the room goes, oh, my husband does that too. My wife does that too. Next thing you know, it's like Jerry Springer in church. <laughs> I'm telling you what, it is so cool when you figure out everybody's broken. And until you go to one of those kinds of meetings, nobody ever gets healed. Host a marriage group. Host a men's group. I don't care. Just get together. And let's stop pretending we've got it all. I give you permission on Sunday morning when you're coming in to worship the King of Kings to say, how are you doing? Great. 
But I don't give you permission to not get in a small group and be honest. Here's what we need. We need a time and we need a place and we need a group of people around us that we can be transparent and honest. We need to be able to admit our struggles, our addictions, our temptations, and even our failures. And yeah, I did just use those words in church, and I do believe we have those problems, because you know what? I know. And half of us right now are wearing masks and looking at, oh, somebody here has an addiction? Haven't they heard of Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, people who have heard of Jesus still struggle. And that is one of the lies of the enemy, and the experience we have is to say, if you're following Jesus and life's not perfect, you better keep your mouth shut, because you're a failure. We need mentors, we need prayer partners, we need brothers, and we need sisters. We need family. You see, the church has actually become a masquerade party where you come in and you say, everything's great. But it's supposed to be a family with brothers and sisters who actually love their younger brothers and sisters and know on occasion young brothers and sisters do stupid, foolish things. I mean, when you're 12, what the four-year-old just did looks pretty stupid. But you were four, and you did it too. And so we can help them with our experience. The church is supposed to be a family where you find encouragement instead of people pointing fingers and tattletelling. We need brothers and sisters who have struggled and have gotten healed and know how to help us, to inspire us, to lead us, to teach us, and, and sometimes rescue us. You got one of those people in the church that calls you all the time, you don't want to talk to them? And you just wish they would stop asking how that thing is going. You wish you never told them you had a thing, but the Holy Spirit won't let them stop. And you go through that phase of, you're my good friend, let me tell you about my thing, to the, I think this person's filled with Satan. I don't ever want to hear from him again. <laughs> but eventually, through the battle and the fight, they come out the other side, and you go back to, I'm so glad you're my friend who wouldn't let go. And I'm really glad I told you about my thing. If you're in the middle of that process, don't give up, by the way. Sadly, we don't live like people with siblings. We live like only children. Most of us only children as orphans. We isolate ourselves, and we live alone. We keep our struggles to ourselves. And you know what we call that? A perfect target. Because the enemy knows. If he increases, you won't tell anybody. If he pushes you a little more to the edge, you'll keep it to yourself. If he gets you to go over the edge, you'll never confess it. You are a perfect target if you're not in a small group. Small group where you're being honest, I guess I should clarify. And if you stay at a masquerade party long enough, do you know what happens? You ever been to one of those? Well, we clarified here in South Carolina, Halloween party, right? And here's what happens when you first walk in the door, you're just mesmerized. Oh man, they really decked this place out. Look at all the decorations. <gasps> Look at that costume. Oh, that's good. He bought that. He didn't do like paper mache and duct tape like I did, man. That thing, that cost some money right there. Oh, look over there. That's a good costume too. You stay there an hour, you start going, huh, look at that. That's Bob in that mask. 
Uh, no, Bob's walk anywhere. Yep, yep, I've seen That's Bob. Oh, look over here. That's Sally. That's, you know how I can see, tell Sally because she's got that long hair with that little mole right there, you know. That, that's who that is right there. If you stay at a masquerade party long enough, you'll be found out. You might as well go ahead and confess it. Get healed. Then we're not pointing fingers going, oh, look at that John over there. Look at Sally over there. Be the first one to take the mask off. So I want to close with a reminder that the Bible actually does encourage us to be pure because he is pure, to go away from sin because he set us free. All of those things I read earlier, they are in the Bible for a reason. So in case someone has totally misunderstood the message today that you're like a heathen dog and should stay that way, that's, y'all can laugh at that. That's not the message I do want to encourage us to grow and to change and to become more like God. This message is not meant to encourage you to stay where you are. It's just meant to encourage you to be honest that you're there. Because it's the only way you're ever going to move. So I'm going to leave you with a very simple truth. It turns out that the honesty is what actually brings the healing. And it reveals if you've had any healing. Here's how the quote goes. You know you've been healed when you can admit you were broken. And you know you are being healed when you can admit you are broken. And we can only do that when we're broken together. Amen. We've saved communion to after the message today because the whole point of communion is where we remember what Jesus did 2,000 years ago Jesus died I want you to follow this on the cross saying that my body will be broken for your brokenness that's what he told his disciples soon they're going to take my body they're going to crucify it and I'm going to let them do it Because the only way that your brokenness will ever get fixed is if I be broken for you. And on that night, he told them, when you get together for for centuries to come, do you notice if you've ever read that passage, he didn't say, get by yourself in a closet with a piece of bread and some grape juice. He said, when you come together, admit that you're broken together. When you come together as a family, I want you to to take this little piece of bread and remember that this is my body broken for your brokenness. And I want you to take this little bit of juice or wine, it's juice here, just so you know. And I want you to remember, it is my blood poured out for those imperfections that they are washed clean, paid for. We take communion to remember what Jesus has done for us. And what that means is that if you're a believer who calls Jesus your king, you're supposed to take communion. And if you're not, then you're not. So before we take communion, I want to invite anyone who up until this moment has never declared, Jesus, because you died for me, I want to live for you. I want you to be my king. I want to invite you just to say those words to yourself and to him. I'm not even going to be a prayer. We're not even going to close our eyes. All you have to do to be in the family where you can be broken together is simply to admit you're broken and you need Jesus. 
There's no magic prayer, so we're, we're, we're going to skip that. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.